Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide. Okay, welcome to Global Bitcoin Fest. And today we're going to be focusing on South Africa and the Bitcoin community in South Africa, Bitcoin in South Africa, and South Africa in general. Global Bitcoin Fest, we are a, a group of plebs that are interested in Bitcoin all around the world and learning about Bitcoin communities uh, in different countries across the world. And we started in September 7th when the uh, Bitcoin became legal tender in El Salvador, we organized a 24-hour non-stop Twitter space where we invited uh, communities to hold one-hour spaces uh, to celebrate together um, in one-hour chunks. And we had uh, people from all over the world join in. And we were so inspired. It was so fun to do. So we decided let's do a weekly one. Uh, where we focus on one country per week. So today, it's South Africa, and uh, I'm Lucas. I'm going to be moderating. Going to not speak so much. Going to try to uh, get as much interesting stuff as possible uh, from the guests. And um, I would like the. Uh, guests to present themselves. Start with the hosts, um, the co-hosts, Bitcoin Ekasi and Exonumia, um, Herman and Kotasu, um, and uh, hear their presentations, and then um, we go down uh, person by person. So maybe um, Bitcoin Ekasi, Herman, would you like to present yourself? Uh, yeah, sure, man. How's it, everyone? Um, uh, yeah, I'm um, uh, uh, Bitcoin Nikasi Twitter profile. Um, I'm uh, my name is Harman. I'm the co-founder of the Surf Kids NPO. Um, yeah, I've been been into Bitcoin um, since around mid uh, 2013. Um, a friend of mine initially introduced me um, after the the banking crisis in Cyprus and um, <clears throat> obviously um, yeah, what, what happened there with, uh, with the banks being bailed out <clears throat> using customer deposits um, seemed unfair to me and that sort of got me down the rabbit hole of Bitcoin and, and what it can do for the world. Um, by that time, I'd been running the Surfer Kids for about three years and um, yeah, and then the two sort of came together when um, I heard an interview with Michael Peterson in 2019, and um, um, yeah, I just figured I could do something similar. Yeah, so I mean, I haven't really we've, we've we haven't done anything groundbreaking to be honest. Uh, all we've really done is we've taken an existing idea and copy pasted it, and um, obviously try to adjust it to the South African setting. But as far as possible, we are trying to follow uh, Bitcoin Beaches example and uh, we're using the surfer kids um which is an npo with a 
with a 10-year history um, in the township where we operate. Um, we're using that as a platform to to try and get a, a Bitcoin economy started in a, in a South African township. Um, and I guess the the main goal is to to, to do two things first of all to obviously benefit the community um, because there are there are many benefits to be had um, from adopting Bitcoin um, as opposed to uh, cash the community is largely paper cash based there's a large amount of people who are unbanked um, so obviously there's a lot of benefit to be had and then the second reason I guess is to illustrate um, that it's possible uh, that Bitcoin can be used for that purpose. And if it can work in a South African township, um, similar to what it did in a small town in El Salvador, then there's no reason why it can't work anywhere else. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much us. Thank you very much. And when we spoke, um, you said something interesting that you've been bit in Bitcoin for a long time, but you kind of never could figure out a way to um, introduce Bitcoin in anything practical that you were doing. And when you saw uh, Bitcoin Beach, what they did, you realized that you could actually uh, apply it to what you were doing with the surfer kids and that Bitcoin would be, um, yeah, with, with its various um, aspects of integrity and these kind of moral aspects and so on, is kind of a good part of uh, what can be shared with the kids. Anyways, I'm not going to talk more about your projects uh, now. Let, leave that to you later. Uh, Exonumia, um, please uh, share about yourself. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Hotato, and basically, I started the Exonumia project, which is a project that aims to translate literature that explains how Bitcoin works into native African languages, right? And if you hear a baby crying in the background, it's just my nephew, I'm kind of babysitting. And yeah, uh, my journey with Bitcoin kind of started around um, 2017 when I was a researcher uh, straight out of university. And the research institution was always looking at the next uh, big topic and Bitcoin was just one of them at that time. And yeah, but obviously I had heard about it all through university and in 2017 I just took the dive, read more papers and I was like, okay, cool. How would I then take everything I read and everything I learned back to my family and uh, extended family as well? And so the um, project uh, started around 2019, the Xenomia project started around 2019, but it's not actually gaining more momentum since I'm kind of working on it full-time ever since last year. And yeah, the aim of the project is to just translate as much um, content as possible, books, tweets, and uh, memes into native African languages. And my reasoning for that is because learning about Bitcoin teaches you about so many other things, money, energy, um, economics, technology, and uh, game theory, all these different things. So I believe that in a weird way, if you actually translate Bitcoin literature, you can actually add a community into so many other uh, conversations, like uh, the green energy conversation, like um, 
the UBI conversation or whatever other conversations that are being had globally. So Bitcoin and everything around it is the quickest way to actually uh, get communities to join um, very important conversations globally. Right? And it's a single issue thing that encapsulates so many other different things. And yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Hmm. Brilliant. Thank you very much, uh, um, Kotasu. And um, it's uh, it's quite interesting, actually, that uh, the the two projects of yours um, it's uh, it's one project that's focusing on the micro building a, a community in the small, and so that with Bitcoin Ekasi and Exonomia is kind of uh, focusing on building a, a Bitcoin community at, a, in a larger scope, say across across the African continent. And my understanding is you're also planning to maybe expand it outside of uh, African languages as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Technically, the tools that we are using or we are building to make it easier for us to do the translations, we want to make them available to everyone else because also everyone else in the space is open source orientated, right? And they are already trying to translate the books that they are publishing. So we just want to see how much more convenient uh, can translating literature be and yeah, sadly, most of the tools that are available now aren't literature orientated. They are more website or dev orientated. So we want to find a middle ground and yeah, uh, share all those tools for everyone else, not just uh, the African language speakers. Thank you very much. Um, the Knowledge Trust, do I call you the Knowledge Trust or something? You can call me Rob. Rob. Call me Rob. Awesome. Yes. Hi, Rob. Hi, thanks for having me tonight. Hello to everyone. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll give you two stories, maybe my own personal journey and then the Knowledge Trust. Uh, my name is Rob Stokes. Uh, I'm, I'm probably one of the older uh, members of this community, but very new, relatively speaking, to Bitcoin. I'm not like Herman, who seems like he's a proper OG. Uh, I was actually introduced to Bitcoin. I remember very clearly my, my former business partner, uh, in or still business partner in 2011, uh, when it was about seven dollars a coin, and uh, we had all we both lined up to pay this account in Japan, and I never did it, and that was obviously foolish of me. Um, and I only really got Bitcoin, uh, uh, I'd say midway through COVID uh, 2020. Uh, despite the fact that my career was in tech, I, I started a digital agency called Quirk in '99. We sold it in, in 2014. I ran the Red and Yellow Creative School of Business uh, until uh, about that same time, mid-2020, when we, we sold it. Um, and I'd, I was big into decentralization, and I'm embarrassed to say quite a shitcoiner. But going deep into the Bitcoin rabbit hole and particularly seeing the Lightning Network, I realized that it is inevitable and that this technology has got promise for Africa beyond our wildest dreams, if we can seize it quickly and not be last on the bus. And I happen to be the chairman of an organization called the Knowledge Trust. And the Knowledge Trust is really focused on uplifting youth in Africa and helping them reach their full potential, using education primarily, but uh, we help wherever we can. And uh, already we were Bitcoin enthusiasts, and I think I brought my uh, newfound firm belief 
and slowly we are transforming into a, a Bitcoin focused organization. We, we don't uh, do anything specifically with Bitcoin apart from the fact that it runs through our veins. So, you know, we occasionally pay bounties to our members in our community, which is about 450,000 people. We pay bounties. Uh, we want to pay them in Bitcoin wherever possible. We want to pay our staff in Bitcoin wherever possible. And we've had some challenges in that journey. Um, but we're committed because we believe that for this community that we are serving, the youth of Africa, it's apart from education, it's the most important thing of their next 10 years that we can get right as a, as a community. So that's a, a bit about myself and the Knowledge Trust. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Um, Bitvice, please um, uh, share about yourself. Sure. Sure. Nice to nice to hear from everybody. Um, there's quite a lot of scope to cover from my side, so Lucas, please just stop me. Um, but yeah, my name is Brandon, and um, and basically my personal journey to just follow like uh, Rob's pattern there. Uh, I mean, I I started off in in um, in you know the financial investment. So I started in the largest private investment firm in Africa, and so going through that, I was quite tenured. <laughs> And uh, in that whole path of, you know, equities and all that bullshit. So I had a very hard time to go against the grain and realize Bitcoin for what it is. So luckily I did by jumping, you know, exiting that and jumping into a whole lot of startups and taking a lot of risk and realized that that was all bullshit and Bitcoin is the only answer. And, and unfortunately, here and there, there were a few shit coins. But it's it's something that most people need to go through, and um, you know what I've what I've come to learn in in South Africa is that you you got very powerful players in the crypto space, and they're getting more and more powerful, and they're all custodial, and they're all going to build, carry on building you know custodial products that reapothecate shit coins and Bitcoin. And it's building a very bad pattern of products. So, you know, we decided to, hell, man, try and build something that helps people just buy Bitcoin simply and self-custody it. You know, you'll never be big as these custodial solutions, but um, you you got to start somewhere. But it's kind of like a three-phased approach. And um, it's a slow and methodical approach, just like Bitcoin is. And the first one is just, builds a easy to use platform just to understand you know what blue wallet is and fucking buy some bitcoin and receive it to your mobile wallet and then understand what a hardware wallet is and if you want to take the next level understand what a multi-sig is and then we can help you with that so we help with those packages and everything but like going back to the the private investment firm you know something like um it was about six billion dollars in incoming discretionary flows per year and 70 percent of that were through financial advisors so after 400 years people still didn't still didn't know how to buy equities so how the hell do they are they supposed to know how to buy bitcoin the right way so we we we're building a platform for financial advisors now so bitcoin will become regulated in africa this year and we just need to be ready for financial advisors to try and offer them the correct products to to allow their their clients to self custody Bitcoin for the long term. Because these other guys will also offer financial advisory products, 
but they'll be custodial and be easy for financial advisors, but we have to be competitive against that because it's we, we need us we need to stop these custodial solutions. And then so that's that's for the, the, the higher LSA markets. And then for the lower LSA markets, there's there's a model in play that we, we've we've cemented and we we um we've really really thought about how to bring, you know, how does someone who goes to a vendor that Bitcoin Akasi onboarded can get, you know, 10 Rand of Bitcoin straight to their moon wallet. And that's what we want to do now. And that's what with existing fintechs in place. And there's a whole lot of them with, with millions of users. So we need to start connecting them. We need to circumvent the banks in this country. There's about four to five big banks that are essentially cartels. So we're busy raising for that. You know, we've been offered but some money, but um, we, we only focus on Bitcoin-only investors because this is a very long-term play. You know, this is a three- to five-year pl- um, plan. And so it's kind of like a very phased approach that we're in. You know, some of us, most of us are all part-time, so it's been very hard, but um, we just keep trying our best, and we've just been growing the community. And, you know, like we've come to know Bitcoin Akasi and, you know, Herman and Khotatso and everybody really well over the past uh, past year. And it's, you know, the maxis are very few and far between in South Africa, but I think they'll keep growing as, as people learn what shitcoins, what they really are. And Bitcoin is the only answer. Thank you. Great. Um, so we have uh, Lutando. Uh, Lutando, what do I call you? Do I call you Lutando? Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, hello, everybody. Uh, yes, my name is Lutando. I'm working at the Safe Kids as a senior safe coach. Uh, and then uh, he started working at the Safe in 2018. And then Herman did introduce me on Bitcoin last year on July, if I still remember right. And I'm the one onboarding the shop owners in the township where I'm living. And I'm the one who put the wallets uh, on on their phones and helping them to exchange their money like rents when they want to buy some stuff for their shops. Uh, And then like I'm still like uh, learning, teaching the courses that I'm working with like Lukangele. Tabata, and now we we still want more shops uh, to onboard more shops, but now we still have only three shops. Uh, oh, okay, that's what I can say about myself. Very interesting. So you're on the ground, meeting the people, educating face to face every day. Basically, is that that a good description? Plus, of course, the Surfer Kids uh, movement that you that you're working with, yeah? Yes, yes. Um, also running the program there to save kids, like teaching the kids, like saving. I'm also on the other side, busy with Bitcoin Kasi. Yes, that's what I can tell you, like that. And then I'm still busy teaching the people from, uh, from my township where I'm living how Bitcoin works, and then I, we did buy some ATAM for them and then show them that Bitcoin is really real. You can do everything you want if you have Bitcoin in the phone. Great. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I, I'm 
thrilled about this conversation. It's a really interesting group. Like everybody ha is coming from different angles and has different experiences. So this is super cool. Um, so where do we start this off? Usually what's uh, interesting to, uh, to understand uh, is a little bit about the context uh, that um, is currently in South Africa. So basically a little bit about the um, you know, economic situation, um, what is the inflation in the country today, uh, what is the, uh, say, fundamental need for Bitcoin, uh, is there any specific use cases that are more kind of relevant, uh, remittances, or is it, uh, is it something else? So um, how, how is the society? And then, of course, uh, more deeply talking about uh, what's happening in the Bitcoin community, um, what are the projects, what are the uh, connections being made, what are the latest developments, uh, yeah, whatever you guys feel is relevant, um, you know what is most interesting to talk about. So we're happy to just join on that. And then, um, yeah, and then any other topics uh, that, that may pop up. And please feel free to, you know, ask each other questions and balance between each other. Because um, uh, as a non-South African, for me, I'm not necessarily as good as you as knowing like the most interesting angles for other people. So, um, yeah, with that said, where, where should we start? Should we start in a little bit about South Africa in general, like what the situation is in South Africa. Uh, so the listeners get a feel for, for the place or do you want to start somewhere else? What do you think? Um, um, Kotasu, Herman, um, do you have any uh, thought? Yeah, I think we can start by profiling South Africa. I think it would also be interesting to hear the profile from Brandon since he's looking at it from the financial sector perspective. I don't know if you want to <laughs> break it down. Just throw it my way, man. Yeah, so... Look, South Africa's economy is pretty fucked. Um, it's, it's not, it's really not, it's not the worst in the world, but um, we, we've we just seen in the last week alone that uh, the South African government has just asked for two loans from the World Bank, um, which is over a billion dollars now. I think it's about $1.5 billion. It's the first time they've asked that, uh, for that since apartheid, back in uh, in the 1980s, 1990s, you know. Um, so there's there's quite worrying patterns playing out now. You got um you got the unemployment rates the highest in the world, and um, especially the youth employ unemployment rates is it's it's above like fifty percent. So um, you've also got the amount of taxpayers in this country at around two million people, and you've got about eighteen million people on social grants. So it's 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 um it's a pretty big shit show right now, and I don't know what happens with the World Bank and what happens with the, what the IMF does because you know all of us Bitcoiners know them for who they are. They they do they do provide some kind of 
protocols you need to follow if you if they provide a loan. I, we, none of this has been transparent, and uh, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing, even though the IMF is so evil because our uh, unfortunately our government is extremely uh, corrupt. Um, so that's our that's our economy right now. Society is is um, highly indebted, and um, I think that's that's the whole world. You know, you, you can even say Canada is extremely over indebted. Like my brother lives there, and the the fucking grocer, the person the person who packs the bag of the grocer is is driving like a a massive SUV, which is one hundred ten percent on on credits. You know, and um, the, that's that's the current situation there. And then uh, the Bitcoin community, like I said, is is quite small here. I, I, you know, there's 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 people who've done a lot here. Like I even see, you know, Carl Carl's on here. He was he's one of the former, um, you know, founding team of of Luno. That there's guys building incredible things on Bitcoin here. We've just seen a really interesting product come out with Aztec Co and One for You um, in South Africa. Where basically people can start buying big, uh, LN BTC, Bitcoin on Lightning, with vouchers. Unfortunately, with a quite a high fee, and um, there's there's some interesting things happening now. But the problem is, is that there's really big exchanges in South Africa, and they they're actually starting to become just as big as our banks, and the custodial exchanges, and they offer they offer um, they offer everything is about your standard Coinbase kind of model. Um, and we know, I think most of us know that's a dangerous, dangerous path. There's, there will most, most certainly reapothecate Bitcoin and there will be some kind of critical mass reached eventually. So I feel that Bitcoin is an extremely important thing to help a lot of people in this country who live week by week on a little bit of money just to start saving a few rands every week into something that protects their wealth and can create some kind of wealth for them because they can't afford property, they can't afford gold, they can't afford equities. And um, we need to figure out a way how to start building that share. You know, in America, they've got really strong infrastructure there. You've got Swan Bitcoin that's that basically is plugged into Prime Trust on the back end, Prime Trust, and you've got NYDIG, and you've got all these guys who've got incredible infrastructure, incredible Bitcoin liquidity that's on the front end. You've got FoldApp, Swan Bitcoin, blah, 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 who can build incredible consumer-facing products. We don't have that yet. The only source of liquidity is the retail market on these exchanges, person A buying or selling to person B, and that's where the liquidity is. So we need to start figuring out a way to start taking that liquidity and spreading it across to to um, the broader market, um, and that's that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out now. I hope I answered your question, Lucas. I think that was a brilliant um, intro. Uh, maybe if we can um, uh, linger a little bit about uh, with the uh, uh, situation in South Africa. Um, Go ahead, Gotasso. Uh, sorry to do this, but I'm going to uh, also uh, ask someone else to. 
uh, and this time would be, it would be Rob because while Brendan was talking about the youth unemployment, uh, I just realized that Rob actually, the, with the Knowledge Trust, they work a lot with the youth and I don't know if they have anything to share on that. Yeah, sure, sure. So I think I think Brandon hits the nail on the head. Uh, youth unemployment is uh, a corner, one of our cornerstone issues in South Africa. It's well over fifty percent, depending on which segment you look at. And um, <clears throat> you know, it can be for most pretty hopeless. And and the word hopeless is an important word because it's difficult to achieve anything in that state. Um, so you know, I, I'm not sure how. Bitcoin itself solves that problem uh, beyond just a fundamental systemic change. Uh, but I think that's a long way out, quite honestly. Um, you know, my, my summary of the Bitcoin situation in South Africa kind of uh, matches our uh, our societal situation in that we've got, if not the biggest, uh, one of the biggest uh, income inequalities in the world. And, you know, in South Africa, there are a few Bitcoin billionaires who have been, because we are quite early adopters on tech, relatively speaking, but most of the country has heard of it, thinks it's a scam, and has almost certainly never used it. Uh, and as try as I might to orange pill every merchant in the world, uh, I have actually managed to achieve it with my butcher uh, um, so far. Uh, it's challenging. Um, I'm a director of a company called Cloud One, which makes a, a point of sale uh, software. And uh, lightning is on the roadmap, uh, but it's not a priority. And the truth is, we face a chicken and egg problem. Uh, and 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 the 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 thing I'm interested in is when Bitcoin is, uh, let's say, five hundred thousand dollars, because at that point it will be dramatically less volatile and dramatically more believable. And then I think it's important that we've solved the UX problems that, frankly, all of Bitcoin faces. It's a UX nightmare across the board. Um, hopefully by then the UX will be there so that we can onboard users into a system they believe in is not wildly volatile. I mean, I onboarded my mum at $50,000. So she hates Bitcoin clearly at the moment. And you just can't, you can't have that situation. So I think there's some building work to be done. There's some education work to be done. But I think, you know, four years from now, three or four years, you know, post the next halving, I think we'll be ready. And and then I think there's a market that's really waiting for it because it's very informal. It's very cash heavy. And, and the truth is that it doesn't necessarily want to be banked. I think we love using the word unbanked, but actually some people don't want to be banked. And most of informal South Africa does not want to concern themselves with taxes. And, you know, that's not for me to say whether they should or shouldn't. But um, peer-to-peer trade on the Lightning Network, uh, I, the tax man is going to struggle to wrap his head around that one. And and I think Africa, once they see the opportunity, this thing is going to absolutely explode. Herman? Um, yeah, there's a lot. there's a lot to dig in there. Um, I think from from my perspective, when uh, um, I, I've, I've worked in the tourism industry um, for a long time, and uh, the reason the reason I've been able to do what I've been doing with the Surfer Kids for the last ten years is is because um, we've we've been in the tourism industry. Unfortunately, that business fell flat uh, when when COVID and all that nonsense started. But um, when when tourists come to this country, the one thing I always try and emphasize is. Um, yeah, I like like Rob mentioned. Uh, the one thing about South Africa is is its inequality. Um, the difference between rich and poor in this country. Um, there's there's only one one other place in the world where I've seen it um, come close to what we have here, and that's India. Um, 
the difference between South Africa and India is that in India, it's in your face. In South Africa, because of its history, uh, the inequality is often hidden away. So the wrong people live on the wrong side of the highway. And um, you really have to go out of your way in, to, to some extent. Um, and my experience in the, in the tourism industry has been that it's quite easy for tourists to, to come to South Africa and to feel like they're visiting Europe. Um, going back home, having only experienced about 5% of the country because the rest of it is, is really, really not, not so visible, um, despite the fact that it, that it comprises more than 90% of the country. Um, so, yeah, South Africa is in a, in a very difficult situation. And I think the riots um, that we saw last year, you know, there's, there's always an excuse for these things, but um, they've been getting worse over the last several years. And I think it's a matter of, of, of hopelessness, which is what the other, other guys alluded to as well. Um, it yeah, is. Herman, there's an there's a economic heuristic that when unemployment goes over 40%, there's enough people with nothing to lose that you have a constant stream of fires and eventually there's a big fire. And that is one of my great concerns with this country. Yeah, that's, that's basically where I was going with this, is that I think, um, I think the riots that we saw, um, there were service delivery riots to start off with several years ago, and then it turned into roads must fall riots, and now we saw what we did last year. And there's always a different excuse given for these riots, but I think ultimately it comes down to that. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous to think of what it's going to be like next time, because I don't see, I don't see the ruling political class in this country doing anything about it. The trajectory that um, the ruling political class has been on the last 15 years has been pretty clear and um, I don't see it turning around anytime soon. And Brandon also mentioned the numbers. I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane when you, when you realize how many people in this country are reliant on, on social grants and what percentage of the country is actually carrying the entire system. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, I think, I think more than 90% of the country don't pay any tax at all. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's pretty insane. And then, what what Bitcoin can do about that situation, um, more than just more than just systemic change. Obviously, obviously, um, Bitcoin being adopted um, as a global standard would bring a huge amount of systemic change. Um, it'll it'll hold governments, including South Africa's, responsible to a more sort of responsible form of spending. But but I think more than that, for for us on a smaller scale, in in the little project that we're busy with. You know, one of the very interesting things that came out of Bitcoin Beach was that, um, and Brandon alluded to this, um, or actually mentioned it directly, um, that, you know, we, we have this idea that people who don't earn much are not interested in saving. Um, but because the, because the ruling politi political class in this country is not going to do anything for the poor masses, they, 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 to some extent they're going to have to. They have, have to find ways of helping themselves. And, and Bitcoin can help there because, you know, in, in Bitcoin Beach, it, it became very clear that even if you earn very little, when you start saving in an asset that is designed to appreciate rather than depreciate, um, then then the, the incentives change. Um, you know, and, and the most recent, uh, you know, Bitcoin magazine went, went back into uh, a print version recently. Um, they've been purely digital for for many years. Um, when I first started reading them, they were actually print. Uh, that's why I was I, I was orange built with a 
a physical copy of Bitcoin magazine from, from 2013. And then they went digital for a long time. And they went back into print after what happened in El Salvador. And the first print version had this image of a old Salvadoran man on the cover. Um, and, and the story behind that is basically that this guy um, saved to fix his own teeth. Um, he'd been walking around with rotten teeth for a long time. And uh, he saved up in Bitcoin to fix his own teeth. Um, and, and that probably wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for Bitcoin, because for the first time, he was given an opportunity to save in something um, that it was actually designed to be a savings technology. And that was available to somebody who only had a few dollars per week or per month to save. And obviously, the short term volatility is an issue. Um, but it's, 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 it's obviously the long term, the long term view that's more important. Um, so yeah, that's just a little bit about that. Go ahead, Sunumia. You're one of the co-hosts. Just, uh, just jump in. Uh, cool. So yeah, basically, I agree with everything that everyone said, right? But I'd like to add my own opinions on a few points. I think two. Um, the first, I think, is what Rob mentioned on the income inequality, right? Um, I believe that if someone switches away from uh, the rand to Bitcoin when they receive an income, it becomes easier for them to not only um, fix the issue of income inequality in South Africa, but income inequality across the globe, because even uh, the people who are earning the most in South Africa are not really earning that much in comparison to what the international rate um, is. Like even, um, I'm a software developer, like uh, it's, um, internationally believed that South African software developers are cheaper than American software developers, so on and so forth. And that's the case in India as well. But um, Technically, the code is the code. You write the code and it works, right? So if I'm charging in Bitcoin, I'm not charging in rands. And I think there was a pseudonymous Bitcoiner who got a grant from Square, I think one of the first ones, who was actually making a point that um, the very fact that uh, certain people in certain areas in developing countries and uh, who, who getting paid less is bad because they'd actually have to spend more to live a high quality um, life, right? Uh, to have air conditioning, to have a stable electricity supply, right? And to have even stable water in some cases, they'd actually have to spend more in than the person who's in a developed country. So they would actually have to be paid more so that they can afford all these nice things like fiber internet and so on and so forth, right? And I believe Bitcoin might actually lead to solving the issue of income inequality in a certain way by just actually putting everyone on the same global standard when it comes to payments, right? Not just from a South African perspective, but also from a global perspective. And with what Brandon was saying, and I think uh, Herman touched on it too, or that uh, South African um, uh, the, the poor population is believed to not want to save money. But technically, the banks are not even targeting them, are not creating marketing materials for people who do not speak English, right? Uh, if a bank has an investment account or um, a savings account or whatever, uh, a saving financial instrument, 
they will not make the marketing material for that instrument available in any language other than English. Maybe sometimes it's in Afrikaans. But what's even worse, while I was talking with a friend who was helping me with the translations, who I think also worked at NetBank at some point, turns out that NetBank had made translation available in Spanish, right? And before they even made any uh, translations available in any other South African languages, Spanish was uh, translated. So part of the reason I believe that people don't say this because uh, the financial instruments are not uh, translated for them, right? And yeah. Yeah, I just want to add to that, Khatasa. It's everybody... Everybody talks about the unbanked in Africa and South Africa, and they keep harping on about that to say, we'll bank the unbanked, we'll bank the unbanked. But they never do. And I'll tell you why they don't. It's because of KYC regulation in this country. It's the most onerous, archaic piece of shit legislation you have ever seen. And, you know, I've worked on quite a few banking projects where you do these integrations or whatever. And I, I kid you not, like 70, 80% of your effort is actually just on the KYC components alone. Never mind the fucking product. It's just the KYC. So this is why you can't help the person who doesn't even have a home get the proof of address required to access some bank account. And this is why they'll never bank the unbanked. And even if, even if some kind of crypto provider says, okay, we're going to bank the unbanked now. No, because the Reserve Bank needs you to get the proof of address as well. So they're not going to solve the problem. It's, it's central planners providing central solutions that just keep on causing the shit and not solving the solution. So, you know, we, we really need to think about how to circumvent this. And this is why I'm really excited about these vouchers coming out in South Africa, to allow people to change the hard, cold, hard fiat into SAS. But um, we need to figure out a way how to make that more accessible, more agnostic across all systems, especially, and make, uh, and make sure we can bring down the fees. Because I did some calculations on the latest one, and it's looking like it's around 20% fee. And we need to bring that down to like... You know, you need that bring bring that down to what Strike is doing now. Strike is charging zero percent. That's the precedent now. We need to figure out a way how to do that. Wow, twenty percent. That's ridiculous. I would want to uh, also hear Lutando uh, as a youth in South Africa. Uh, what are your personal impressions? Um, like just yeah, just being a young. Uh, South African today, like, how do you think about society around you? Do you have any uh, reflections on that that you could share with us? Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, here in the place I'm living here in South Africa, like Jesus Cap, uh, youth is struggling to find jobs, and many youth they didn't know about Bitcoin, how to save Bitcoin. And then they didn't know, like, if I try to tell my friend, like, about Bitcoin, he just say, no, I'm talking about scams. Like, they don't want to believe me, but I show them everything that Heman did teach me about and then how 
to use the right platforms. And many people, they are struggling to find jobs, poverty, like many things that just happening here in my, uh, in my place here, here I'm living. And then like we struggling very, 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 very. And then there's a lot of squatter camps and people, they are like, that's why we try to educate these young kids. Like SFA kids, like we teach them about life, show them how how the way to choose to do right things in life, about savings, uh, like this. Just what I can say because I'm not too in Bitcoin like a lot. Like I don't understand Bitcoin like, but I'm still learning with Bitcoin. It's what I. It's what can I say? So uh, when you say squatter camps, you mean uh, people. Uh, for example, that coming from abroad, uh, that are living in um, these like provisional houses uh, uh, anywhere and everywhere, correct? Oh yeah, I can help out with this one. Uh, it's a uh, squatter camp is an informal settlement, but it's not uh, people coming from abroad. It's uh, South Africans actually from uh, different areas of South Africa situating themselves in a more convenient location informally. Okay, got it. Okay, thank you. One thing that I've heard about uh, South Africa is that in addition to, say, the uh, local social challenges, um, there is pretty substantial inflow of people coming across the border, for example, from Zimbabwe, uh, where the situation is uh, pretty tough for many years of hyperinflation um, and actually the, the opportunities are better in South Africa. Is, is that correct? Sorry, just to, uh, just to jump in there where, um, um, where Lutando left off. Uh, yeah, by, by squatter camps, exactly. It's um, people who settle in, in informal ways. So uh, you've got structures, people living in structures that are built from scrap materials that they most of the time literally pick up off of the side of the street or from from rubbish dumps um sometimes they're built a little bit more professionally but 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 it's not it's not often that you find uh, brick or permanent structures so these are all informal structures and as as to where they where they come from uh, i think uh, i think most i mean almost i think almost 80% of the people um in in the township or the 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 squatter camp that that we work with are actually they are south african um, but the immigration is is between provinces, so um, there's, there there are provinces that that do a lot better than others, and so people come from neighbouring provinces. So in our case, um, they're coming from the Eastern Cape to the Western Cape, um, mostly looking for work, um, and then they settle they'll settle around sort of economic centres um, where they where they hope to find work, uh, but more than often, more often than not, don't. Um, and then end up in these informal um, uh, informal areas uh, that, that that people refer to as squatter camps or townships, um, and that's 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 pretty much the the, the, the meaning of the word ekasi. Um, ekasi is a is a reference to to those to those areas where people um, uh, con- congregate um, and live in in quite desperate circumstances. Um, but also, quite often, there's a very 
uh, sort of positive vibe when you when you go into these places whereby people don't really live inside the houses because the houses are too small and life happens out on the street, uh, which is nice when the weather is nice. But obviously, um, yeah. Um, so there's chickens and cows and stuff running around all over the place. Um, so I just just thought I'd clarify there. But okay, thank you very much. And um, I suggest that maybe uh, with this uh, fairly uh, broad uh, background on South Africa, if we uh, maybe move into uh, Bitcoin in South Africa and what's happening uh, yeah, in South Africa around Bitcoin and the, the community, maybe I could start by asking uh, you this question. You mentioned that you guys all uh, know each other and that there's a, a pretty small uh, Bitcoin or Maxi community. Um, is that correct? You you guys all know each other from before? I think we, we most of us know of each other. Uh, I've only met Gohatso, but uh, not the others. But the, it's a very small community. I think crypto is, is, is certainly amongst uh, uh, those with some money is quite big in South Africa, relatively speaking. But Bitcoin purism, as I like to see it, is is quite limited. Frustratingly so. Very frustratingly so. Well said. Yeah, it's um, it's you know, it's it's a uh, it's a very small community, and um, it's because the like I said, the main players, the exchanges, they um, they make it very easy for people to buy a lot of shit coins. Um, there's not, there's no, there's no um, places to just focus on Bitcoin only. Um, and I don't think they've been through enough pain yet. I just don't think they've been through enough pain yet. You know, most of the market is only probably like the earliest gone through the 2017 craze. Um, a lot of them probably gave up and then they tried again and they do a lot of trading. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, uh, pain clears out, it clears out uh, the, the strong, the strong hands. It's not a lot of people. It, it's very easy to buy shit coins. Most of the on ramps are, are shit coin exchanges uh, that are highly focused on quick trades and all of that. So it, it drives the consumer behavior. And most exchanges is when you when you dive in, buy some, drop your money and buy some shit coins quick, and you'll get rich quick. And that's kind of the the marketing and everything is, is around that. And there's no direct Bitcoin kind of marketing effort or, or, or actual product out there. So it's, it's, that's what we're trying to do our side. But also we live in a very highly debt indebted nation. So maybe that's the underlying cause for this. And people haven't gone through enough pain yet. And those who are willing to go through the pain and go through the education will eventually see the brighter side. So this, once again, this is why like it's a long-term game plan. Yeah. yeah I think, I think another unfortunate uh, reality uh, surrounding crypto and Bitcoin in South Africa is um, I can't be sure uh, where on the, on the leaderboard um, uh, South Africa are in terms of scams, but I think we're pretty high up. Um, and unfortunately, um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I think I think two of the biggest scams in, in crypto or Bitcoin history um, are from South Africa. The one was MTI and another one was um, 
what are these two guys, two brothers from Cape Town, I think AfriCrypt, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so South Africa has had a has had a a, 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 a disproportionate um, exposure to to scams, and uh, that's the number one pushback I encounter uh, personally from from people who'd, who'd never heard about Bitcoin or crypto to begin with. Um, that it's all one big scam. Um, yeah, and then beyond that, like Brandon said, um, yeah, that the trading trading between coins um, and shitcoinery is just uh, unfortunately um, <laughs> very very prevalent. I think uh, I just want to add to this that you know Bitcoin's greatest strength is its greatest weakness, which is decentralization, and and as a result, there is no marketing team and and visionary CEO and whatnot, and so one has to just be patient and stick to the thesis. Uh, and the one thing that everyone here would agree with is that you can't become orange pilled and then become unorange pilled. Uh, it, I mean, Ralph Powell is you know a stupid exception, but um, once you're in, you're in, and so the network effect should keep trundling along. And all we can do in the meantime is is find in our own special way ways to uh, kind of speed up little pockets of adoption, whether it be through translation, which you know is a huge thing onboarding merchants i think is critical people have got nowhere to spend it uh then the other half of the economy is gone and so i think we have to in every element of our lives we have to try and propagate the story uh, as cheesy as it sometimes comes across at times yeah well said and and like my last caveat to all this um i was very lucky to be part of a, a a global like accelerator program i think back in 2017 and that's when Ethereum was really doing its big thing. I think everybody was going crazy about this and the ICO craze. And um, it, it's kind of like I think in retrospect, you look at the, you look at where the money is in this country, and everybody wants to innovate, and they got this VC mentality, and this is why they want to build things, and um, they like having the control over the liquidity. And they like having the the ability to innovate on their own money, and you know what I mean. It's like it's it's that kind of Andreessen Horowitz thinking that that happens in the in the startup and innovation society in South Africa. And when you look at Bitcoin, it's not that way. It's 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 about Bitcoin is completely different. It's about starting at ground roots. It's about the long term game plan, and people aren't willing to do that yet. They just want the short term, get rich quick stuff, and they're not thinking about the long term stuff. Um, I don't know if I explained that well. Yeah, no, you explained it perfectly. Um, I think I'd also like to add to your point, Brandon, because. Um, in the uh, Ethereum space or the VC crypto space, there's been a recurring statement saying whatever needs more funding, right? Um, Bitcoin development needs more funding or layer two tech needs more funding and so on and so forth. And then when you look at the projects they're talking about in the crypto space, they've already been funded with millions of dollars. They already companies that have hired hundreds or more developers, right? And yeah, so then I look at what um, the rest of the space is doing or 
uh, Bitcoin maximalism, right? You usually get um, one or two people with a crazy idea that is simple enough for them to implement it by themselves, right? And then, <clears throat> sorry, and then they push out that idea. And then everyone else just kind of, you know, um, uses the idea and spreads adoption through the idea. And I think that is where Bitcoin maximalism will actually help. And I think that's uh, that's another way that everyone on this call or most people on this call know each other. Uh, uh, Rob, Brandon, oh yeah, I know pretty much everyone on this call. And yeah, and in the long term, even though there are not that many Bitcoin maximalists, I think having the focus to just focus on or to just work on one thing and then uh, spend as much time on that one thing as possible. Like my thing has been making sure most of the people in my family and extended family adopt Bitcoin and everything else has just been an extension of that goal. And seeing what everyone else is doing is like, oh, cool. I know for a fact that if I'm ever looking for someone who's working on this specific one problem, this is the person I'm going to go to, right? I know when I should talk to Brandon about a topic. I know when I should talk to Rob about a topic. I know when I should talk to Herman about a topic. And yeah, maximalism is that Bruce Lee statement that says, um, I don't fear a man who practices a thousand kicks one time, but I fear a man who practices one kick a thousand times, right? And most of the guys who are, pushing Bitcoin maximalisms are really just practicing one kick 1,000 times. And at the end of the day, yeah, they are really making a lot of impact, right? And I think we are going to start seeing more and more of that across the country, uh, especially as we are talking with each other more now. Yeah, I think that's beautifully said, man. Um, I (laughs) I love that expression. And don't, don't fear a man that practices a thousand kicks once. You fear the guy that practices one kick a thousand times. <laughs> it's well well put. Um, and and to Rob's point, you know, all we can do is to is to is to build um, around our our communities. And um, look, I think um, I think it's it's going to grow organically. Um, and and ultimately. Um, Ultimately, this is this this is the little contribution that that we're trying to make, you know. And this is what was so beautiful about what happened in El Zonte. It's just this little project, and I mean, this story goes back quite a long time. It started uh, before, long before Bitcoin became legal tender in El Salvador. It's just this little tiny project in this little tiny town that nobody had ever heard about. Um, and and three years later, um, it it sort of spread like a wildfire. Um, and I think that's that's what really inspired um, inspired me to do to to try and do what we're trying to do. If if we can be a little example, um, you know, we d- we don't intend on on going further beyond the boundaries of little township that we're focused on, but that little township can be an example um, for anyone else uh, to to spread this adoption um, and to show just how easily it can really be done. Um, it's it's not rocket science at this point in time, with the amount of development that's gone into um, uh, infrastructure in, in infrastructure around uh, wallets and so on. Um, I know the UX isn't perfect, uh, but it's a hell of a lot better than it was five six years ago. Um, 
So yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think if it if it spreads organically, it might seem slow at times, um, and that certainly was the experience for Bitcoin Beach as well. Um, I think it took them four months to onboard their first shop, and then it took them another four months to onboard their second shop. And by the end of the first year, they only had three shops. Um, and I mean, we've only got two or three shops in the township on board right now. So it seems like it's going very slow at times. But then once it reaches that critical mass, um, you know, and El Salvador is a small country, but uh, it did it did happen very quickly once it started happening um, uh, the whole country over. So, yeah, it can, see, it can seem slow at times. Um, but uh, it, 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 is, it is going to speed up, I believe. Herman um, Lutando, I'm curious about the like on the ground experience trying to make uh, uh, merchants adopt Lightning. Uh, like, what are the main say, challenges or what are your main findings when you're trying to do that? Uh, I think uh, Lutando can speak a little bit more about this um, as he's the one doing it. But from what I can tell, the biggest challenge is just to illustrate that it's real money. Um, you know, it's, it's really about illustrating that Bitcoin um, is is not some scam, that it's something that's, that's uh, legitimately convertible into something familiar, which is cash. And once once it's illustrated that it's converted into cash, then generally speaking, um, it, it becomes a little bit easier to, to onboard merchants. But that's very challenging to, 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 to illustrate that convertibility in a in an easy way. But I think that's but yeah, let's uh, I'll I'll let Ifando elaborate on that. Okay, okay. It's not like it's not easy to onboard the shop owners. What I do, the first first thing I do, I just buy them some time on Petrofield online. And then after that, uh, we send them some sets on their phones, on their wallets, like what I mean, like in their wallets. And then after that, we we show them how, how we spend and then we demonstrate that with them. Then, but it's not easy. Some of the owners, like, they say, okay, it's cool. But when the time, like, we go to their shop, like, start spending, like, we did experience that, or the first owner of the shop that uh, his wife was complaining a lot. He was seeing, he was seeing, like, uh, their stuff on the shop, like, is getting empty. And then he was saying, no, no, stop it, stop it. And then I did download that guy, VAR, and then, exchange that money to rent and then after that, that that guy just go to the band and then take the money out and then show uh his wife and then he just believe it and then okay this is the real money and then we can use it this thing and then he's very happy now and then every time when he went then his shop he always say take more take more you must take more don't take only one stuff to buy and then it's really hard to find another one like uh, to believe to what we do that's um yeah really interesting we actually have one of the uh, co-organizers of uh, global bitcoin fest danny uh here he's listening he uh, is argentinian and he to my understanding he became orange pilled when he started 
receiving sats for uh, uh, I think he sold a pizza was the first thing and uh, he had a restaurant and uh, it developed into him running a meeting spot for Bitcoiners in Buenos Aires uh, where everybody would meet up so it can evolve um, the knowledge trust yeah I just I, I love first I love that example from Rotunda I think uh, examples are really important. You know, people love stories, but the Bitcoin story, let's be honest, is very multi-layered and challenging. I saw a meme the other day. It's you know, first it's a payment method, and then you dig a bit deeper. It's a monetary, you know, policy, and then you dig a dig a bit deeper, and it changes everything. And it, it, that is what it's like. And it, you can't articulate that in thirty seconds. But what you can do in thirty seconds is make a lightning payment of one set to another person. And in my experience, that has been the game changer because in people's heads, Bitcoin varies on a spectrum from it's a scam through to it's this thing that you can buy on an exchange. The thought of custodial, non-custodial, private keys, not even in anyone's head. But when you, when, when, when you make it real to them and then they, you know, you could send them one set or send them 69 sets or if you're feeling generous, send them 420 and then have them send one back to you. And so they can see that this is a fully settled piece of value that you can send backwards and forwards and you know i think if we can do that then you encourage people to to transact and and this my my good friend craig raw who orange pilled me you know said he, he practices the philosophy of you know spend and replace uh, so you know I, I paid for my physio four years ago with bitcoin which still makes me want to cry um but if you spend and replace then you're doing a bit to grow the ecosystem and it's those lightning payments that are the our home our home moment because it's in that moment when, when Bitcoin becomes a real thing and not just this investment, a roll of the dice, maybe you can make some money, maybe it's a scam. So that's the, the point I want to make around examples. And we can all do that. Great. Uh, Toko Loshe, uh, would you want to uh, share a little bit about yourself? Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm sorry I'm late. apologize for not being here earlier. Um, uh, yeah, thanks. Um, I, um, most of you guys probably know me that are on here, but, uh, I'm a local South African Bitcoiner, um, part owner of Bitvice along with, uh, Brandon, who's another speaker here. And, uh, yeah, I've been in Bitcoin for quite a few years and, um, trying my best to help build out the community in South Africa and, uh, push uptake of Bitcoin as much as possible. But, uh, yeah, any questions you got, please shoot them away. Uh, what's up with the name Tokoloshi? <laughs> That's a, I don't know, man. Like when you when you think about coming up with a name for for uh, Twitter, like you know what you call yourself. And Tokoloshi is quite a I don't know. It's a it's a it's a cool South African name because you know the Tokoloshi is this little thing that you know, cruises around and scares people. And uh, I think Bitcoin scares those in power. Um, so that's kind of the play with it is that it, it uh, inspires fear amongst the people in power amongst the elite and uh hopefully the plebs aren't scared of it but what uh, is, just put your bed on bricks what is tokoloshe so tokoloshe is like a mythical creature in south africa um it's this little like a uh, little miniature monster thing that you know it's like a mythical creature that, that yeah uh it's, it's like scares a lot of people um but it's supposed to have like a playful kind of nature um yeah i don't know maybe some other guys can tell you a little bit more about what the top does in, in african mythology 
Uh, seeing as we're speaking about Bitcoin, I think El Salvador is a tokolosh to the IMF at the at the moment. <laughs> Nayib Bukele is definitely the tokolosh to the IMF at the moment. So, guys, um, should we um, open up for uh, others to jump up and uh, ask uh, questions? Yeah, I think now would be a good time. Yeah, let's do it. Great. Uh, we have um, Nesky waiting, and we also have um, one of the co-organizers of Global Bitcoin Fest that said he absolutely doesn't want to miss this, Alexandria from Zimbabwe. So um, uh, let's let's invite both of them. I think Nesky may have some history with South Africa as well. Hey, Nesky, what's up? Hey, guys. Thanks, um, thanks for the invite. Yeah, so question. Uh, I just want to get kind of a better understanding of the adoption of um, hardware wallets in South Africa. So what people tend to use as their wallets for kind of long-term storage of Bitcoin? Is they gravi- do they gravitate to any particular product um, or do they still kind of opt to use their hot wallets? So there's, there's a, there's a, the only, there's only one really big licensed provider in South Africa. They're not really big, but, um, they only provide Trezor and Ledger. And, um, most people I found, uh, use Ledger. And like, if you need to get a, like a cold card or something, you need to order that from abroad. But, Probably, probably you would say to be safe. Most people use Ledger. Also, because most people are cryptos, so they want to store their yeah. other dirty things on their hardware wallet. Yeah, okay, even, so if, what, even when on, you say crypto, um, you, you, like, what do you mean exactly? Like, is it uh, primarily Bitcoin, or like do a bunch of people mix uh, they, uh, they, love, and... they love Ethereum. They love Ethereum. They do. They love Ethereum okay. in South Africa. I love it. Wow. Until you show them a lightning payment, they say, show me how your ETH does that, friend. Well, I mean, do they know that um, Ethereum is about to be completely destroyed because of a hard fork that's coming down the pike no, they, as they move they to proof of stake? They don't know what a they hard don't fork know that. is. They don't know yeah, that. Yeah, they definitely like, don't know that. We, we, you know, like like all Tokoloshe runs a podcast. I do a newsletter. We try and explain to people like the fucking realities of life. But... Um, Unfortunately, people don't see that. Look, yeah, I don't the, think Ethereum is going to destroy itself. It's you know, I think it's got a, a fairly long term potential. I still think Bitcoin will win because ultimately, it's I don't see two massively secure global settlement layers lasting. But the the ESG uh, narrative has got a lot of legs in it. You know, on on BBC and CNN this morning are both featuring the dirty Kazakhstan Bitcoin mines. Uh, I'll uh, hand over to Tokoloshe and then Alexandria. Uh, I'd like to hear um, Alexandria because uh, he has a few questions as well as uh, a fellow Zimbabwean uh, neighbor to uh, South Africa. Tokoloshe. Cool. Thanks, Lucas. Yeah, so so one of the things we do at Bitvice is we set people up with hardware wallets. So we do like consulting services. Um, so I've spent quite a lot of time doing hands-on um, one-on-one 
hardware setups and multi-sig setups as clients. And 95% of them all use, all use Ledger Nano S's. Um, and I think the biggest reason for that is because the Legend Nano S is the cheapest hardware wallet in the market. It's like a third of the price for cold card. Um, and in South Africa, we, those things are priced in rands, but ultimately you've got to buy them in dollars. That exchange rate kind of really has a big impact. So I think people use ledgers simply because they're the cheapest, um, not because they have a great user experience or security or any, anything. Like the multi-coin thing is kind of like secondary. It's just been my, my observation is that really price is the biggest determining factor for most people. Cool. Alexandria, welcome on uh, stage. Oh, hi, guys. It's, it's been a while. Um, I really missed this, this show. Yeah, so um, I think one of the first questions I wanted to talk or ask is, um, where did you get your hardware wallets? Are you importing it from, from like America? Um, the, the ledger wallets. Actually, I'm not interested in the ledger wallets. I'm actually interested in the cold card wallets. And the second thing is, um, which which exchanges are you using in South Africa um, that you actually know and you trust? Because one of the challenges I have um, is that when I when I'm trying to introduce someone into Bitcoin and I want to get someone onto the exchange, um, I don't I don't know which exchange to actually trust because I have to it has to be from um, it has to be from South Africa because um, Zimbabwean. No, no exchange works in Zimbabwe so we have to get our money to South Africa and then buy from there and just this, um, the, the, the third question was okay um, with your lightning wallet do you also does that um, does that go straight when you're withdrawing from your lightning wallet does it go straight into your into your bank account um, how does that work exactly that's okay um, okay so the first question um, where do you buy them so the only place in South Africa is crypto vaults uh, .co .co. So they're an authorized reseller of both Ledger and um, Trezor products. So the issue there is you want to get you want to get your hardware wallets from someone that you know isn't tampering with it. Um, so that's why buying hardware wallets will take a lot or the our version of, of Amazon is a bit sketchy, you know, because uh, you could have a man in the middle attack where they just fiddle with your hardware. Um, so buying it from the authorized reseller is a good idea. So uh, CryptoVault.co is good on there. Um, and then with regards to exchanges, so obviously um, Bitvice, Brandon and I run Bitvice, and we're a direct to self-custody only exchange. So if, if someone sets up with us, they submit a Bitcoin address to us, and then we pay their SAS directly to that address. So we don't have a custody of Bitcoin. Um, so we're the only guys that, that do that kind of service in SA. Um, so shilling our own product here, but yeah, that's us. Um, and then on the third one, with regards to Lightning, directly to your bank account. I'm not quite sure. You might just have to flesh out that question a bit more because, you you know, Lightning is no different from Bitcoin in, in the fact you still need to convert it to RANDs if you want to withdraw RANDs, right? So um, you'd be using exchange for that. So I don't know. Maybe I'm missing your question. Maybe just, just flesh that on a bit more. Well, maybe I, I think I understand it. Um, to my knowledge, there's no exchange in South Africa that has integrated Lightning yet. I think the amounts are too small. So you'd have to do an on-chain transaction to get your money to an exchange to get the cash out. I'm curious, Alexander, if you've tried Paxful in, in Zimbabwe because uh, having actually spent the morning watching a whole bunch of uh, interviews uh, with the founder of Paxful, who's a tremendous sounding chap. Um, he talks about Zim a lot. Uh, and I know certainly there um, there are a, a lot of WhatsApp groups where people are trading peer-to-peer. Um, I don't know anything about exchanges, but my understanding was that Paxful was operating there. 
Sorry, if you don't mind me jumping in there, but um, <clears throat> yeah, Paxful does have Lightning integrated. Um, so, so yes, Paxful a, does. Yes, yeah, Pax, Paxful has Lightning integrated, which is really cool. Uh, makes it good for for trading really small amounts. Um, we've had um, Lutando has actually has done more on Paxful than I have. Um, so he's traded on Paxful quite a bit. Um, as a way to to onboard shop owners, just to demonstrate the convertibility of back of of Bitcoin uh, back to rands. I think the other exchanges, uh, in my view, it's not in their interest um, to integrate Lightning. Um, they prefer to 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 have people keep their Bitcoin on the exchange, so that they um, are incentivized to to trade. Um, if they did integrate Lightning. There'd be an added incentive for people to withdraw small amounts uh, from the exchange to Lightning Wallet. So I don't know if that, if 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 it will happen, that'll be really great to see, um, because it's prohibitive for somebody to invest small amounts in Bitcoin and to withdraw small amounts um, if that has to happen on chain. So yeah, but it's it's not in their interest. So I don't see it happening anytime soon. So I think Paxful is the only exchange. Um, in South Africa, anyway, that's got Lightning integrated. Oh yeah, so um, well, that's been very helpful. And if you could please um, send me the links to um, all these exchanges and also where you get the um, where you get your hardware wallets. Uh, but the one thing that also kind of um, uh, kind of got me worried a bit when you said the hardware you order your Amazon, you order the hardware wallets of Amazon, and um, I, I'm not sure if you understand um, that when. Zimbabwe was sanctions in 2002. And what happened when, you, when Zimbabwe got placed under sanctions, what we call Zanada sanctions, um, the, what you would have, the, 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 if, you, if you deal with any, if, you, if the bank accounts deal with any um, sanctioned um, country, they can face fines. Like CBZ was charged about a $385 billion fine, $300 million um, fine. Um, just to, so what happens is that now banks, because it's too risky, um, to to do any business with Zimbabweans, they won't deal with us at all. So they call it de-risking. So any transactions, just any types of transactions um, that Zimbabweans try to, to try to um, commit outside the international community, community, is 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 almost impossible. So that's why, like, um, we always just send our money outside. But I, I will try look into uh, Paxport. But I just noticed that um, when you said buy something outside again, we can't do those transactions where we buy. Things, products outside of Zimbabwe because we can't process those transactions or if um, or any in exchange. Can I give a little bit of context here because uh, I'm not sure that uh, others know this. Um, so uh, what Alexandria uh, does, to my understanding, or has to do uh, to uh, yeah, try to earn SATs and, um, is that he's somehow... Um, operating via friends in South Africa. So that's why he's asking about South Africa. Is that correct, Alexandria? Yes. So um, basically, in Zimbabwe, um, our wages went to um, went from like $500 a wage to about $10 a wage to 7 to just, yeah, 10, 10 average, uh, average of $10 to, th- um, to $40. So everyone... If you really, if you really, if you're going to try to like make it in Zimbabwe just to make so that you can even survive, um, you have to make your money um, through diaspora, through international markets. Um, so what I do basically is I send my money um, outside of Zimbabwe, and then um, through a account called Celsius, basically, 
um, I send money into, into, into individuals that come to South Africa. And I offer them 25 bucks. I'm like, hey, do you want to make easy 25 bucks? And I tell them some Bitcoin. And that's how I always pro people. I've seen that whenever you offer people a reward, they, they're very open to it. So I say, listen, if I deposit more than 400 bucks into your account, um, um, the Celsius account will give us about $100 reward. We share that reward. And then um, thing, and that's how I make my living. So I was able to make about um, 800 to 700 to 400 bucks every month, which is like way more than you will ever make in Zimbabwe. So Bitcoin has been really life-changing for me. And um, it's also, and then so I'm also like, it's life-changing for me. It's really helpful for me to get income. But it also allows me to orange build people at, at a much larger pace. Because like you said, Bitcoin is multi-layered. So you try to explain like the real benefits and the core benefits um, to, to individuals. They are not really interested. But if you offer them um, cash, I mean, if you offer them Bitcoin or cash, free cash, um, they're very open to that. And so currently, the most people that I'm using are people in South Africa, sometimes people in Botswana, sometimes in Nigeria. But as long as you're not in Zimbabwe, um, it can work. That's why uh, no exchanges ha- um, happen in Zim, but they do all happen in countries like South Africa. The knowledge trust, please go ahead. It was in answer to Alexander and his, his comments. Um, firstly, I, I would recommend, from a hardware wallet perspective, buying a cold card. You can only buy them with Bitcoin, so the banks don't matter. So Bitcoin literally does solve that problem for you. And I'm pretty sure they will ship to Zim. They are such pure Bitcoiners, they will get that card to the moon if it means you can protect your stuff. And I think there's a real opportunity in helping uh, Zimbabweans and South Africa send Bitcoin back to Zim uh, and, and have them exchange it there. I, I know that this is an issue, that they want to use Bitcoin to, to send it home, but they're struggling to exchange. So uh, we can talk offline about that. Exonomia, go. Basically, um, with Alexandria's point on using Bitcoin to actually work. I think it would be a good time to share how we are using Bitcoin to facilitate translations, right? Um, preferably, we aim to work with translators who accept Bitcoin as a form of payment, right? And the crazy thing is how it's like working with people from across the continent, um, uh, Zimbabwe, Nigeria, Kenya as well, uh, because we're also using Twitter to actually connect ourselves with all these people. Um, Bitcoin is by far the simplest part of the project. Like uh, sending the Bitcoin payment is really the simplest part of the project. Um, with Nigeria recently, they had the Bitcoin ban, I mean, the Twitter ban. Right. And oh, yeah, they also have a Bitcoin ban, but you can still find people who are willing to accept um, Bitcoin uh, for work. Right. The tricky thing is that these people, for some, I don't know what system they're using to circumnavigate the um, uh, Twitter ban, they cannot open Google Drive links. Right. So we conversate in everything and send each other um, all the details, but then have to on Twitter via the DMs, but then have to move to emails uh, to share documents because they cannot uh, send or receive links via Twitter. Just a question. What about using VPN? Well, I can't uh, onboard uh, every translator 
on a specific VPN. I think some are using a VPN, others are using probably something like Opera Mini or something like that. I'm not sure. And to just um, use Twitter. Well, and yeah, but Bitcoin, I think even with the, the translators we're working with in Zimbabwe now, um, because I don't want to go through the trouble, trouble of figuring out which uh, financial system is deployed in, in uh, every different African country. Right. I don't want to know where if Western Union works in uh, Zimbabwe. I don't want to know what the Western Union equivalent is in Nigeria. So I could just send out Bitcoin to everyone that is working on the um, translation project. And then it just works like magic. Cool. That's it. Yeah. And, and I love that because Bitcoin is, is the easiest way to just um, actually send um, send payments. Um, I also wanted to ask about uh, um, from from Bitcoin Eski. I don't know if I'm saying the right name. Um, when he's when he's doing these transactions um, in the townships, because I think that will also be um, really helpful. Uh, because, like, in Zimbabwe, um, we have massive cash shortages, and they do this intentionally to prevent inflation. So, um, how how are you doing this in South Africa? Whenever these guys do these lightning transactions. Um, do they? Do you also go in there and then send they 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 Bitcoin into exchange and then they withdraw it so that they actually know that this is this is real cash, or it's just you, all you want is all you're showing them is that um, the the Lightning Network is more effective than any other banking system because I remember even when I was buying um, gym equipment because I wanted gym in Zimbabwe um, when I was when I was buying gym equipment from South Africa, <laughs> which was a mess and just getting the the money in in South Africa. Um, I had to wait an entire day for your payment to clear, you know. So I know that, it, that it's not really a good, effective way, um, effective way to to pay through the banking system. I just want to show them it's more effective to pay by by Lightning than the banking system itself in the townships. Sorry, was that? Yeah, I think I missed half that question. Um, but I think uh, I think your question was related to uh, to illustrating. How exactly um, uh, uh, Bitcoin is converted to to fiat? Is that right? Oh, so so I was mostly asking um, when you're demonstrating in the townships and you're trying to um, push to show people in the township that it's a more effective payment system. Um, are you just showing them that the lightning side of it, or are you showing them the lightning side of it and you withdrawing the cash so that these guys know that okay, this is real cash? Um, and it's not just uh, what you let a trading scheme uh, for, for Bitcoin. Like, how are you doing in the, in, in the townships? Because I believe that that would be something that would be very effective if we had that in Zimbabwe. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think yes. We the 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 fact that, that Lightning makes payments so fast and so cheap um, is probably the 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 main selling point again i would i would like to Lutando to add to this um but i think i think a lot of um and 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 i think it was brandon who alluded to this very early on in the space but i think a lot of people actually actually don't want to be banked there's there's a lot of talk about banking and bank but a lot of people avoid banking because of its fees it's um it's very expensive to operate uh, a bank account in south africa um, prohibitively expensive in a lot of cases um so the 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 shop owners are are interested when they see that 
it's a digital payment system. And then Lightning, you know, being fast and cheap um, makes it a very attractive uh, way of, of, of paying. Um, the convertibility to fiat is just to illustrate that it's a, a legitimate form of payment. Um, but interestingly enough, most of the shop owners that we've dealt with in the township, um, look, they they accept Bitcoin from from four of our coaches. So we've got we've got Lutando, who's who's on here, he's a senior coach, and then he's got three junior coaches working with him, and the four of them uh, spend uh, spend about about a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin every two or three weeks um, at these shops, um, and most of them. Most of the shop owners um, are actually holding on to the Bitcoin. So they're not actually using it for anything else uh, at this point in time. It was initially, initially it was just a matter of showing them that they can convert their Bitcoin back to fiat. But once they were happy that they could do that, um, they've been holding on to it. But I think the initial the initial onboarding process, and Lutando can speak more to this, but um, the initial onboarding process is, yes, um, illustrating the Lightning Network and, and illustrating how effective and, and cheap and fast the Lightning Network is. Um, and then, yeah, convertibility to fiat. There's several different ways of, of illustrating that. Um, it's uh, it's mostly done through platforms like Bitrefill, where they can they can buy airtime um, and uh, and uh, m- mostly airtime on Bitrefill and, and Paxful, where they can trade peer-to-peer, even if they don't have a bank account. Okay, so um, hey guys, question about Lightning. So could you could you talk about the infrastructure, the lightning infrastructure, in a say specifically, like how many plebs um, running lightning nodes, or is it primarily controlled by centralized institutions? Uh, speaking for ourselves, uh, just the effort that we're busy with, uh, everything that we do on lightning at the moment is still custodial. Um, so it's a very new effort. We only launched in in August last year. Uh, we've only been going for for a couple of months, so um, it's it's still very new, um, and uh, yeah, it's quite complex. Lightning is is very complex, so we haven't actually uh, we're nowhere near the stage where we are going to start uh, running on an, our own Lightning nodes. But uh, the Bitcoin that is being held, the Bitcoin that is being held uh, for long term uh, keeping is moved back on chain. And and that is being self-custodied. I, I hope that answers your question. Just just to add to what Herman said, um, you guys got to remember that Bitcoin Beach is custodial in nature um, because they have to do that because the people that actually use it don't understand the true power that they have. The community, um, whoever runs those nodes or whatever it is, they um they're holding the Bitcoin on behalf of the community and that's how they can manage it accordingly and manage the channels and everything around that. And you kinda gotta follow the same model, yeah, I believe. I don't know what um Herman believes, but um people don't understand like what's going on. And you know, they don't understand what the twelve words or twenty-four words are, and they need to get a bit of help here and there to just get across the line. And this is why I keep harping on about the agent model in Africa. The agent model in Africa, what it is, uh, I was saying earlier in our, our Bitcoin group that we have, the agent model 
is a vendor has some kind of product that they change fiat to some digital cash or whatever. Just call it Bitcoin for now, and they get a slice of it. And it's kind of like a booth for an on and off ramp. Whether it's changing Bitcoin to to fiat or vice versa, and they get a cut. And it's, it's literally like a bank branch. And these people need to get incentivized to do that. So we, we you need to focus on that model first, but at least it's not worth the, with the central players, the big um, exchanges or banks or anything. You are decentralizing in that format at first, and then you carry on from there. So that's the way we need to, we need to focus on. And then you have a wider reach. Like I worked for a, a company that had like 3,000 booths across across Zimbabwe, Zambia, Malawi, Mozambique. And these agents were on and off ramps for digital cash to actual physical cash. And this is something that can really work for Bitcoin. Um and and we just need to figure out the back the back end there the the infrastructure for like the actual channel management for LNBDC, and as soon as you you sort that out, and um you can really figure out the mechanics across everything else. I, I do uh, the one hesitancy I have about that is that if you're the back end provider to all that, you do become a very central player. And you could become a very centralized node for channel management, which is, unfortunately, then you become a very big player. And this is one of the weaknesses of, 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 of Lightning Bitcoin. I'm going to slightly yes, differently there. Um, sorry, am I interrupting? I don't want to no, 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 you go for it, go for it. I'll, I'll jump sorry. off to you. So, so, you know, if you do the maths around Lightning and the world, because, you know, that's the goal here, 8 billion people, um, it doesn't actually work out, uh, which I must say I was quite surprised to find out. Um, and so I think the only the realistic option that I see right now are Charmian Mints, which federated Charmian Mints, which you know effectively is a, a closed system, but it uses blind signatures. So you still have privacy, you still have a, a level of security that is acceptable, and and I think those. Um, ecosystems, uh, you know, there might be uh, thousands of users, there might be millions of users uh, brought in through various channels that look like something like banks look like today. And they'll charge a small fee, but it will be dramatically more custodial and more permissionless than we have today. It'll be more private than we have today, and it'll be a much lower cost. But I think all of those systems are going to start with a, a journey which doesn't involve a user keeping a whole bunch of words because that's impossible. No one knows how TCPIP works, uh, but we understand how the internet works and how it can affect our lives. And that's where we need to onboard the vast majority of users. And I think that's three, four, five years from here. So I um, had a super interesting interview with Ben Ark this week on By the Horns, um, if you guys have listened to that episode. But basically what I think is, is, is key to all of this is a hardware revolution um, that drives the adoption and the use case for, for Lightning throughout Africa. So if you've got cheap, very cheap, um, like open source that can facilitate split payments, um, then you can build out a vendor or an onboarding model for vendors that um, kind of incentivizes people in the community to go around and bring vendors on. 
to utilize Lightning and include these POS systems that allow for um, kind of basically becoming an ATM so that people can cash in and cash out um, using RANDs. So they can swap their, their sats for RANDs and vice versa, you know, at, at every Spaza shop in South Africa, basically. Um, because to Brandon's point earlier, if you centralize, um, my opinion from of centralization I've learned for the last two years is that if anything can be centralized, uh, if that centralized can be co-opted, it will be co-opted. So if we're just building out big centralized solutions here, it's just going to be co-opted and it's going to be a shit show. Um, so I think that's a, a bad route to go. Like we need to think about this. How do we drive this revolution in a decentralized way? So open source hardware that costs $10 to put a POS together, um, that some intrepid entrepreneur can go into the township, um, front, you know, these machines to, to merchants say, listen, you don't have to pay me for this, for this machine. I'll take a, a fee split until the machine is paid off and then I'll run a node for you. And then it'll be like an incentivized Uncle Jim model that can then scale out yeah. um, for these kind of intrepid guys. Yeah, what, just sorry, sorry, Khotaso, I know you got your hand up. Just one point to that, Ricky. And the only issue there is, is the channel management. We need to figure that out. Yeah, I'm not particularly, I'm not too worried about that. You know, like channel management can be done um, and it can be done in a decentralized way. You don't have to have like one big player you know, running the running the whole show. Um, that's you know by license fault. So I'm not too worried about that. I think if you do get big and you do become a big player and have you run all the channel yourself, you run the risk of you know the feds knocking on your door and, and regulating you. So um, before Kotasu, um, uh, uh, you jump in. I just want to say a, a word about Nesky. Nesky um, is a part of. Plebnet, one of the founders, I think, of Plebnet, and is very passionate about um, about Lightning. Uh, so, um, therefore, uh, he wants to know everything about uh, Lightning in South Africa, and I'm sure it's because he wants to uh, help accelerate the Lightning implementation in South Africa. So, um, I'm sure he'd love uh, to be connected and connect with you. Uh, directly if there's any help I know he's very helpful um, with uh, Lightning Network uh, implementation uh, anyone that's interested so um, Herman yeah I just wanted to um, just wanted to mention something quickly about um, about the Bitcoin Beach model and then ultimately the direction that we hope to move in um, with regards to this conversation um, and I see there's one of the guys from Galloway on here. Um, and um, yeah, Galloway is the, is, is the company that, that developed the Bitcoin Beach model. And the way I understand it, and I look, I'm not a technical expert. Um, I'm, I'm not a developer by a long shot. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, um, so, so I speak under correction here. But the way I understand it, basically, you know, with, with, the, with the model that they've got, it's a community bank. Um, so it's 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 halfway be, between being custodial and being non-custodial. So the people using the Bitcoin Beach wallet don't actually hold their own um, private keys, um, and their 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 Lightning wallets and channels are being managed for them. Um, but the keys are being held custodially in the community, um, and I think that model works fine if 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 you're dealing with a community. Um, that is relatively small. I don't think that scales to 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 tens of thousands 
or, or hundreds of thousands or, or millions of people, obviously. But I think um, I think the reality is, and, and I can sort of see that with, with where we are, that the reality is that there's going to be a lot of people who we'd like to onboard um, onto a Bitcoin standard, but who are not going to be able um, to, to, to go to go the self-custody route. Um, so uh, a sort of a, a, an acceptable compromise, I feel, is to is to have a community bank set up where there's a certain amount of trusted people who basically hold the community's Bitcoin in a, a, a large multi-sig uh, setup. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, I'm not an expert, so I speak under correction, but that's the way I understand the Bitcoin Beach model. And um, being in the community where we're in, that's kind of the best way I see going forward. Uh, for the time being, um, like I said, everything we do on Lightning is custodial uh, for now. Um, and everything we do on chain is 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 self custodial, um, but that's because you know we've we're only dealing with coaches who can keep backups in a safe location at our headquarters, and we're dealing with shop vendors who have relatively safe premises um, where, where they run their businesses from, where they can can keep backups. But once we go out into the community and you're dealing with people who are literally you know living in shacks. Uh, the, that that where you know the the roof can blow off when the wind blows or when it rains really hard the entire shack washes away. What do you do with backups? Um, so you can't really you can't really expect um, you know twelve word backup um, phrases to be kept safe in a, in, in a situation like that. Uh, so I think community bank model is probably the way forward in the type of community that we're in. And then obviously that still leaves the opportunity open for those who do. Um, uh, who, who do learn and progress to go the self custody route? It's not like they're they're stuck in that community bank setup. Um, but yeah, I, have, I haven't listened to to the interview with Ben Ark yet. Uh, but I'm, I'm a huge fan of him and what he's doing and building the building those you know very very cheap um, sort of uh, hardware um, uh, implementations for for Lightning and so on. And uh, I wish. That guy reminds me so much of MacGyver, like my ultimate hero <laughs> when I was a kid. I wish I could do the shit that he does. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that's also a great, great route to explore going forward. So yeah, um, I like what um, Helman is saying, right? but I wanted to also add to a few other points that were said earlier on I think running a node, a lightning being used by the entire global population and maybe Ben up because I think they are kind of all related, right? Um, I've been trying to run a node from the township and from my grandmother's village, right? And um, obviously you can receive Bitcoin when your node is offline, which is important because we have load shedding quite a lot or we don't usually have a steady supply of electricity because um like south africa is falling apart like cable theft uh, power outages cold getting wet you name it there's a reason why there's no electricity right and then you get to something like um lightning which you is you need your node has to be online for you to receive um a payment right so Basically, in that case, you would need to run a highly available um, Lightning server, which is basically 
two servers or two nodes running in two different locations. And when one fails, the other picks up the slack for um, the other one. So you are always online and you can always receive lightning payments and so on and so forth. And that is actually something I want to actually put together, have like three lightning, lightning nodes because uh, the power outages are that bad in three different locations. And yeah, lightning can um, be used by everyone in the world. But I think the problems that everyone was talking about um, with the whole uh, community banking aspect will still have to be solved in the sense of using lightning to transact where people don't really yet understand what they are holding. But in the future, I, I hope that everyone could just run their own Lightning wallet if they're not running their own Lightning node. Um, yeah, and the other thing with uh, uh, what they were talking about with Ben Ark, because he has a few systems um, where he makes Lightning payments work offline. You know, uh, like if you're a store, you could accept lightning payments and then the customer just shows you a four digit pin or, or eight digit pin as proof that they actually made the payment, even though your device is offline, right? I think Kotasu cut out, but uh, Tokoloshe, please. Yeah, so um, I think if I can represent Ben's argument he made, I'll, I'll post a link on, on Twitter now to the actual discussion I had with Ben last week, but essentially um, what they've built is the ability for these these POS systems to receive offline lightning payments is one of the one of the innovations they've made. This is vital for the township, right? Um, because people are very data sensitive in the township, and, and that doesn't mean like privacy sensitive in terms of data, but actually purchasing data and airtime. Um, that's a limiting factor for connectivity to the internet for them. So if you can put the onus of facilitating the transaction on the um, per, the purchaser, you know, on the customer, not on the merchant, that makes things a lot easier. So this is similar to what Hadman had been doing in Muscle Bay with having a LN URL, so like a static URL for lighting payments. Um, so this is essentially what, what Ben's built out of the LN bits um, coupled with his hardware POS system. So that'll drive adoption. But the, the, the worry for me is that if we go down the route of having building out centralized lighting solutions, the regulators will come, they'll throttle you, um, they'll they'll co-opt you, and then they'll es essentially co-opt that second layer of Bitcoin, um, locally at least. So I think it's vital that we we drive the decentralization of this and don't rely on, on centralizing services. And, and while I agree with what you guys are saying with you know, the Bitcoin Beach model and, and having a trusted community with the multisig, et cetera, that's still open scope for being for co-option to take place um, if it gets big enough. So and people can lose their funds, they can scammed, etc. So ultimately, what we should be doing is is pushing for self custody, uh, you know, across on chain and and Lightning. Um, but then give people solutions where they can have trusted, you know, custodial solutions. But then make it easy to to offer and on like a self custodial solution. Um, otherwise, we're kind of doing this for nothing, in my opinion. Um, we really need to think of, about decentralization every step of the way here, because if it can be co opted, it will be. So, um, uh, Rob from no the Knowledge Trust um, has to go. So, Rob, uh, would you like to share a few last words with us before you have to pop out? Uh, nothing particular to say, just to say thanks for the, to the folks here for the chat. Um, it's always good to have some proper Bitcoin discussion. Uh, let's be honest, in our lives, particularly in South Africa, that's 
it's still fairly rare where we're not feeling like the weird person in the room. Uh, if anyone wants to connect with me after this, you can find me on, on Twitter at Rob Stokes. Uh, I think my DMs are open, as they say. And yeah, I look forward to keep finding the good fight. It's, it is inevitable, but it's going to be a hell of a journey getting there. Thanks, everyone, for your time. Rob, thank you very much for for joining. Uh, it's been great having you. So uh, maybe a um, question from Paul. Paul has been waiting for a little while. And uh, after that, I'd also like to give the mic to Wild BTC. Paul, please go ahead. Hey, uh, first of all, I, I love the work you guys are doing here. Um, I just had a question about the access to reliable internet. One of the things I noticed when I was in El Zante, uh, it was great there, but in the countryside of El Salvador, there were certain places that didn't have like the best internet. So I was just wondering kind of like how the internet is there and kind of what is being done to address the connectivity issues, if there are any. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I can take this one quickly. Um, so internet in South Africa is pretty good by and large. Um, mobile internet is, you've got coverage pretty much all over th- all over the country. Um, so at least, you know, 4G. Um, there are some pockets where you don't have great internet, but that's pretty remote still. Um, and then most people have got, you know, fiber as well. So connectivity is not a major issue in South Africa. Cool. Okay, thanks. <clears throat> okay, so let's um, take a question from YBTC. Before YBTC, um, before you ask your question, I just want to comment on the previous question that... Uh, to my understanding, uh, South African uh, mobile data packages are amongst the most expensive in the world. Uh, so whilst internet maybe is good, it's also ridiculously expensive to connect if you're not on a great salary. Uh, have I understood that correctly? Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty expensive. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's funny when you go to neighboring Mozambique to cross the border and find out that you pay about three times less for, for data. Um, but yeah, that being said, the coverage is pretty good. Yeah, I'm even from Zimbabwe, and when I go to South Africa to visit, because we also stay there, like, me and my brothers are always crying over the data. It's just for, like, for us, yeah, it was really, really ridiculously expensive. Whereas you had to just go back to our father, just ask us to renew the bundle because, uh, you know, it's, it was like ridiculously expensive. And even Zimbabwe is expensive, but in South Africa it was like maybe even double or two, three times the price. Cool. Thank you for that. What's the next subject, or uh, do we uh, stop on any of the subjects that we've been talking about? Um, I'd just like to propose something, um, kind of like an open source project outside. And Bitcoin Akasi is doing incredible things. And I th- I feel like Bitcoin Beach did incredible things all those, you know, the first one to three years. But things started to really happen when they closed the loop. They closed the loop with Strike um, in, in, um, in El Salvador. And you have to close the loop between fear to Bitcoin. And that's what we need to do here. We, we, we shouldn't wait one to three years for that to happen. We need to, we need to be proactive right now. And um, 
I, I really want us to to start focusing on the project right now. And anybody who's keen to help us out, please um, please reach out because we're going to start doing that now. We chatted to Herman. Um, we just need to do what we need to do. And the the intricacies with the fiat side is the problem. And I'll try and explain quite simply why that is. You can't go through the banks in South Africa. The banks don't offer crypto to bank accounts in South Africa. They even closed the biggest exchange. Uh, they closed bank, the bank accounts of the biggest exchange in South Africa. Uh, they feel like this is a threat. So we need to go a level down. And you got a, a very large amount of fintechs in the space. And they have exactly the same agnostic systems in place. They got the standard ledger account where they got some digital unit that gets changed to physical fiat and it works one to one. And they got millions of users. You got people such as Moya, which is the data free app with 7 million people on this application with, who can get a wallet, right? There's more people than El Salvador. And they've got the exact same system than all these other fintechs. If, you th if we figure out a way for these users to all jump on whatever application they are to buy LMBDC quite easily and, and also exchange them whenever they need to, to pay a supplier or something like that. That's how we circumvent the banks and the regulators and all that. And that's what we need to focus on. That's what we're going to focus on. Um, it's the only way around the bullshit and the bureaucracy. And, um, and, uh, I, and I, and I'm saying this because Bitcoin is open source. If someone wants to steal that idea, fucking go for it, please. Someone do it first, whatever. Uh, we need to do something. Just to, just to tie into that, this is why I'm so bullish on this, um, what Ben Ark has been working on with the essentially making a Bitcoin ATM. Because if I'm a merchant, I'm accepting sats. Um, and I've got 5% of my users buying things from me through sats. And I can now off-ramp other users. People want to come in there and buy 10 rands worth of sats from me in 5 rand coins. You can do that directly peer-to-peer -peer with, the, with the merchant. Um, and this model can be, can be rolled out and incentivized just by having a couple of um, formed users in each township going around and setting up all the other merchants and getting them to connect to their nodes. And then that model, you know, there's direct financial incentive for them. And then you don't have to go this massive centralized route of like bringing on board big players. Like, I mean, Moya, it's, it's, it's great, but um, it is an attack vector. So if we want to build a robust uh, a robust framework for how we proliferate Lightning and Bitcoin through the through South Africa, um, we've got to use the kind of cultural uh, feeling that is there already. And that is that people don't like the banking system really. They like to keep their money in cash. Um, and you, you don't have to, you know, KYC people. Um, so if I could just go to my local Spicer shop, give him 10 Rand and have him send Bitcoin directly to my own self-custody wallet, like that's a beautiful thing. And that'll, that's the most robust way to do it. Um, the most sensitive position way to do it. So I think that's what we should be. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and just to tie into the education thing as well. Um, we should be focusing as much as possible on educating people who want to learn about this and, and how they can become hardcore Bitcoiners. So they can then go and apply this model throughout the community. And if they can be financially incentivized through split payments for every merchant they bring on board, like all of a sudden you've got this, this virus that can spread through the townships that can't be stopped. Um, 
because you haven't got a centralized player that can choke you out. I just quickly maybe want to say something there about education. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's obviously uh, a key a key thing going forward, um, especially if you want to encourage people to go the self custody route. <clears throat> you know, if, if if you want people to go the self custody route, then uh, then education is going to be super important. Um, and uh, we've I, I was it, it it wasn't my idea; it was pointed out to me, but. Um, it, it makes sense because that's what, what Bitcoin Beach did as well. Uh, we, we'll, we'll have to. At the moment, our only headquarters is at the beach, which is where we, um, which is where where we run the surfing program from. But we definitely have to look at getting a a sort of a, a center, not nothing fancy or big, but but something physical, some physical presence in the township itself, um, because that 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 physical presence has to be a spot where people can come to and sit down and just talk with somebody that's there um, because a lot of this education is going to have to happen orally as well um, there's 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 a lot of people who who we would like to deal with um, where where reading skills is is not a, is a strong point so if we can get some sort of a physical location, and if, if you can have these physical locations wherever you build these sort of communities, um, then that's, that's a key thing going forward. Because your education, if, if you're going to go the self-custody route, then education is, is absolutely crucial. And, um, yeah, I think ultimately that is the best way to go because that's, you know, essentially that's what Bitcoin comes down to. Self-custody at the end of the day is what it's all about. We have power here. Power always comes to the couple of questions. Uh, so I'm bringing up power and uh, um, welcome power. And after power's question or questions, uh, I suggest that we uh, move on to uh, wrap up. And uh, uh, I will want to hear each one of you um, share some of your uh, final thoughts. So power, please go ahead. Hey, uh Thanks, Lucas. Good morning, everybody. Um, <clears throat> just want to ask a question about uh, Bitcoin as like, um, what's the sentiment of the government? Um, are there any talks of um, making Bitcoin legal tender? Um, are government officials adopting Bitcoin? Like here in the U.S., you know, we, we got a lot of government officials taking their salaries in Bitcoin, a lot of public companies putting bitcoin on their balance sheet is there any of that happening in south africa uh no it's not going to happen anytime soon so uh, this african government is extremely corrupt and um they they're not interested in that at in that at all they don't even understand it it's probably not even the last thing in their 500 subtasks of a roadmap and um Secondly, they've just taken massive loans from the IMF, so I don't expect that anytime soon. Yeah, I agree with Brandon. Um, we, our South African government officials are not going to be pursuing this anytime soon. Um, yeah, I've heard I've heard nothing speak about it. It's not a it's not a topic that's in the like political discourse at all. So, would you guys say that um, that Bitcoin is more friendlier and more accepted? in the U S than other parts of, of the world. 
I mean, I mean, Bitcoin is is very friendly. Yeah, it's 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 easy to get Bitcoin. Yeah, um, for you know, it's not good fees and it's not good user experience. Um, but it's it's the 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 regulation around Bitcoin yeah, is definitely not as strict as the US. The US is always at the top of regular uh, regulatory um, issues, uh, but it will be regulated yeah, this year, and it will become more serious. But all they really care about, the only thing this government cares about, is stopping people from sending money offshore which Bitcoin is obviously a very big problem. So they're going to try and um, close as many loops there as possible, but they won't be able to control this because they don't have the, the intellectual capacity. Okay. Thank you very much for a great question, Power. And I suggest that we um, wrap up with um, starting with uh, maybe Bitwise and uh, then um, uh, Tokoloshe, Alexandria, and then the co-host. So, um, oh, also Luthando, of course. Yes. So maybe we can start with um, Luthando. Um, do you want to, um, could you share some, final thoughts uh, from this conversation, something maybe that uh, you would like, or you would have liked to say that, um, that maybe was missed or just something in general. Oh, okay. So I can say, no, uh, I don't have anything to say. Herman did say everything. Uh, I don't have anything to say, sir. So humble. Lotano, I think I just want to say something maybe, um, uh, uh, if you don't have anything to say, I'll say it. Uh, I think the the work that you're doing on the ground, uh, meeting the merchants and trying to orange pill person by person and uh, like doing that hard work, I think, you know, all power to you. That's amazing. Very, very important on the ground work. I also think that uh, your experiences from orange pilling people in person in that kind of way um, gives you very unique experiences. Um, usually we get um, a guy called Chimbera from El Salvador. He comes on here and he talks um, that, you know, he came on our French space that we did last week and he said, hey, I want to come back to France and orange pill some French people. And he came on for our Indonesia space and he said, hey, you know, if, if you need some help in Bali, I'll, I'll hop on and, uh, you know, come over and I do some surfing and orange pill people based on my experience from uh, Bitcoin Beach. So I think uh, one thing that uh, you shouldn't underestimate when you're doing this hard work and sometimes maybe it feels, you know, uh, very kind of uh, meticulous uh, is that actually the experience that you're getting on the ground um, will it's unique. Very few people is, are getting that kind of experience and you'll be able to uh, use that in other parts of the world. Um, so, uh, yeah, all power to you. I think what you're doing is amazing. Thank you very much for your hard work. And um, um, if you don't want to add anything to what I said, um, uh, we move on to Bitwise. But Luthando, you want to add anything to that or shall we move on to Bitwise? 
Yes, and I really say I want to thank to Herman for teaching me all the things, how to talk with people. And then it's really amazing in my life. And then it's a new skill that I'm getting to Herman. is teaching me a lot of things about Bitcoin. I never know about Bitcoin before because I'm growing up in the township and then I didn't know anything about Bitcoin. I just hear about it. And then Herman give me anything. Thanks you. Thanks you, Herman. Thanks you to Lucas. Forgive me this opportunity. Yeah, loving it. Thank you very much. And for those that didn't uh, participate in the beginning with the presentations, um, Herman has a project um, for uh, to empower uh, young uh, South Africans uh, via surf and Bitcoin. And he may mention that again at the end, but yeah, uh, that's what Luthando was referring to. Um, Bitwise, please, uh, please continue, uh, Brandon. Thanks, Lucas, um, and and thanks to Latanda because I think he, we can't express more of our gratitude for the guy on the ground, and I just want everybody to think about how hard his journey is. Every single time he tries to onboard a vendor to explain exactly what this proposition is, and how to manage it, right? If they and and right now they're using the open source software out there, Blue Wallets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They don't have this branded application and some kind of a, you know one two three step approach to try and onboard these vendors. And this guy's it's literally fighting against the hardest wins possible. So our fucking job is to try and make Latunda's job as easy as possible. And this is why we need to figure out a way to close that loop and imagine this vendor goes, oh, I can accept Bitcoin or fiat and I can choose through Olympics or whatever to say 70-30 splits to say Bitcoin 70, Rand's 30%, maybe even, even 10% goes to my supplier because these things are possible right now. And, but he needs these applications and these things will come, but this is a this is a roadmap that we all need to go through, and we all need to work together with. It's not some fucking closed system where we're some capitalist Microsoft Bill Gates prick. We we're all trying to work together to get things done, and we try and figure out how to close these uh, close these loops. And Nintendo, um, I'm here for you, man. We're gonna figure this out, and I promise you, we're gonna onboard these people. And we're gonna start the Bitcoin Society, man. Bitwise, um, do you want to add um, also something uh, more general about your wrap-up? Anything else you want to add? Sure, thanks, Lucas. Yeah, uh, like we said, um, we are the only self-custody solution in South Africa where you can buy Bitcoin straight to self-custody. And, um, and we also help people learn more about multi-sig, hardware wallets, mobile wallets, you know, at, at, at best. And um, we're just going to try and keep uh, fighting against custodial solutions uh, in this country. And hopefully um, we just help people realize that Bitcoin is the only way. Tokoloshe. Yeah, man, I just want to echo what Brandon said there. Um, our, our main fight here is to, is to help empower guys like Lutado. Lutado, you're the tip of the spear, man. Um, the, the the first uncle jump on the ground there that's that's busy orange pulling people 
And um, I think what we need to do to make a success of this is, is recreate that model so we've got a million of you on the ground, you know, who are financially incentivized to teach people about Bitcoin um, and then help them set up, get their solution set up. So that for me is, is the dream in South Africa um, and how we, how we win this thing. Um, and then just from a personal note, so Brandon and I work together at Bitvice. We started Bitvice together, but then we've also got the podcast uh, by the horns. And what we try to do there is just speak to interesting Bitcoin voices in South Africa and more broadly in Africa. So if anyone who's listening to the show has got some interesting or knows any interesting Bitcoiners or people doing stuff adjacent to Bitcoin, please reach out to me, send me a DM. I'd love to have you on the show um, and you know, speak about what you're doing. Um, I think it's a, it's, you know, it's a, within the greater framework of the freedom movement within South Africa, the one aspect that I've noticed that's missing from the, the whole freedom movement, um, you know, they've got the, they've got the ideology and they've got the smart people. Um, we've got bodies like AfriForum and Solidarity and Sarkalikha doing all kinds of good stuff for freedom, but the Bitcoin conversation is missing from that. So what we're trying to do with the podcast is by the horns is to inject that Bitcoin oriented freedom components into it, into the milieu of ideas. Um, and if we can, get people um, who are building cool stuff to come and share their stories. I think that'll be, that'll add to the virality of it um, and get more right-wing freedom oriented people on board with Bitcoin, because I don't think they realize yet, but the government is going to come for them. Um, they're going to, they're going to deplatform them financially. Um, you know, you just need to look at the extremes, like somewhere like Orania, for example, where they'll be the first guys to be deplatformed by the government. Um, you know, people like Steve Hoffman, so I think if Bitcoin is money for enemies, so if we can get those guys on board with Bitcoin, we can get the EFF on board with Bitcoin, and that's how Bitcoin wins. You know, at the end of the day, so that's kind of that's kind of what we're trying to do. And um, yeah, man, it's exciting. I, I think South, South Africa is ripe for Bitcoin. We've got a competent government, um, and sooner or later, the rand is going to crash. So yeah, get on that lifeboat. Thank you, Alexandria. Not South African, but uh, neighbor. So please, uh, maybe share a couple of thoughts. Yeah, I um, also just wanted to touch upon um, just how, like, a lot of people don't want to be unbanked. Um, don't like, prefer to be unbanked, and just how, like, um, even because like a lot of Zimbabweans, um, they whenever they're engaging in international transactions, they have to go to through South Africa, and the process of of creating a bank account. Um, as a foreigner in South Africa, is is almost a nightmare. You have to have like, you have to wait three months. You have to first create a bank account in Zimbabwe, for th- and then you have to wait three months. Have to provide a lot of documentations, and it's just almost impossible. And yet you have this solution like Bitcoin that just says you can create a, a bank account within about two minutes. You can download a um, a landing wallet within like one second, and I believe that that's something that's going to be really re- um, revolutionary because. Um, it is much easier for almost everyone my age who's in like university um, to do transactions um, through that, and we prefer doing transactions international international transactions um, through Bitcoin um, than any other than any other platform. So I believe that that's going to be one of the leading ways. And um, I'm also really interested in um, what Tokoloshi was talking about, how um, there was those 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 incentives to um, to pay people. I'm not sure. I want to do a lot of research into that, and it was a very good chat. So I enjoyed um, listening to all of this. Thank you, and I also want to do a lot of um, uh, groundwork, more groundwork. So I also wanted to. It was interesting to hear um, what you guys were talking about there. Thank you. I want to add also that um, we did a space with Alexandria 
I think a couple of months back and um, very powerful Bitcoiner in Zimbabwe. And <clears throat> I can definitely recommend that you guys uh, connect because uh, he's also involved a lot in South Africa. So, Herman, please go ahead. Cool. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a good conversation. Thank you very much. Um, I think I just wanted to sort of echo uh, what what was already said. Um, I've I've been I've been trying to um, to just sort of um, be the support structure for for Lutando and and the junior coaches, um, but they are the ones who are who are running this engine. Um, I, I I want them um, and. It needs to be it needs to be them who go into their community and and onboard first of all the vendors um, and then once we've done that uh, move on to the broader community um, because I've I've always been a big believer in um, you know if you wanna if you wanna help somebody you've got to help them to help themselves um, if you create a situation where you're helping somebody but they become dependent on you. Um, when you step away, they're worse off than when you started. Um, so this has to be a community effort led by the community itself. And so I know when I'm posting on Twitter and stuff, I'm, I'm sort of the, the face of this effort looking outward. But when it comes to the on-the-ground work, um, that's all the Tando and, and the junior coaches. Um, I, I, I specifically try and spend as little time um, uh, you know, in, in, in the township with them because I want them to be the ones who are the face of this effort in, in the township so that they can they can essentially onboard their community and um, yeah, uplift themselves with, with Bitcoin because I think that what, that, that's what Bitcoin can do. Um, I really believe that uh, moving on to a Bitcoin standard, not all at once obviously, but slowly but surely, a little bit at a time, uh, it's one of the tools that that can be used by people to empower themselves, and that's ultimately what um, what both Bitcoin Ecosia and the Surfer Kids is about. It's 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 not about it's not about it's not about handouts, um, and it's not about giving free stuff away. It's it, it's about empowerment and helping them in helping the individual learn how to empower themselves, um, and that very much ties into Bitcoin and the philosophy around Bitcoin. Um, it comes down to 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 self responsibility and and taking responsibility for for your own well well being. Um, you know, Bitcoin teaches that specifically about about finance, but 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 you can you can apply that to to so many other areas of life. Uh, you know, you got to take responsibility for your own health. Uh, you got to take responsibility for your own finances. You got to take responsibility for your own edu- your own education. Um, because just to allude to what uh, Topoloshi was saying earlier, you know, if, if, if you centralize something, anything that can be centralized will eventually be co-opted. Um, and that can be applied to education. I mean, we've seen a massive, a massive failure um, in the South African education system, unfortunately. And this has meant that, that to a large extent, we're, we're trying to get the kids to actually take responsibility for their own education, you know, give them laptops, give them the internet, but then give them that spark to go online and search for the stuff that they want to know and learn um, because it's all there. It's all there. Um, you just got to reach out for it, take it. Um, and nobody else is going to put it in your mind for you. 
the only person that can put that knowledge in your mind is is you, the individual, yourself. Um, so I think ultimately that's what it's all about for us. So yeah, thanks again for having this. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Exonomia and Kotatsu. There should be a click there as well, no? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm no, maybe no, getting, no. no? There's no click at all. You're saying it correctly. Right? So, yeah, um, before I get part of, because Twitter likes dying on me, uh, thank you guys uh, for the chat. It's been great. Um, I really like everything that everyone on this um, call is doing, right? And with regards to the Exonomia project, I think for this year, uh, either next month or towards the end of Feb, we're going to launch a translation drive where we just basically try to initiate new translations in a different uh, African country every week. And yeah, so we're going to order the countries by population size and we're going to start with the um, smallest uh, country first. I think it's going to be the Seychelles first week and then move on to the next and on to the next and probably uh, the last country would be Nigeria. So yeah, um, if you'd like to play a part, if you know any translators, we're always looking out, um, uh, looking to get more translators for any languages, any African languages. Uh, you could just uh, send DMs to this Twitter account. And yeah, um, we would be happy to have new translators or more translators on the project, new languages, new countries, anything and everything goes. And yeah, um, basically, uh, hyper-Bitcoinization starts at home too. So if you want to arrange for anyone, I hope that person is your family member. Uh, your direct family member, your extended family member as well. And we also hope that the things we produce as the Xenomia project actually help in that goal too. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kotaso. And um, I think that what you guys are doing, um, each and every one of you, it was super interesting to listen to uh, to the projects that you're doing and the the aspect that you're talking I think it was you Kutasu that was talking about it earlier about that there's this specialization uh, aspect that when when each and every participant in the Bitcoin community in South Africa um, dives in and becomes really good at some aspect of uh, of forwarding Bitcoin then you know who to turn to. I think that was very beautifully said and really interesting. Like so, so all of you guys are having different focuses. And one thing that I learned uh, in this conversation with you um, is that I didn't know actually that you all knew each other and that you all already kind of uh, paying each other. And and uh, so I think that's really cool. And uh, yeah, I. I'm also, as usual, actually, but at this point, it's it start becoming, uh, I repeat it every time, but I'm impressed of the level of uh, Bitcoin expertise. Uh, and like, you guys are the 
platform that Bitcoin uh, in South Africa is going to be built on. So uh, more power to you. And thank you so much for taking the time and sharing, sharing with us and the world about, uh, about South Africa and Bitcoin. And um, uh, so I'll just wrap up with a, a short line about Global Bitcoin Fest. Global Bitcoin Fest is a group of people plebs uh, that is spontaneously organized and we're curious about bitcoin in different communities around the world we started uh, on 7th of september when it with a 24-hour crazy non-stop twitter space and we took a liking to it and could see that there was a lot of interest uh, from uh, people to listen into uh, what's happening around the world in different communities within Bitcoin and also to connect between communities. So we decided to do this every week, uh, one community around the world and listen to what they have to share. And uh, yeah, just loving the conversations. And I really love this conversation with you guys uh, in South Africa. Thank you again for taking the time and uh just uh, shout out to everybody. Thank you. And follow these guys. Yeah, Follow everybody. So thank you, guys. Thank you for Thanks having us, man. Thanks for putting us together, Lucas. Great work, man. Yeah, Thanks. awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And Lutando, awesome. thank you. And uh, Herman, also, thank you extra for kind of bringing everybody together. And yeah, um, so awesome. Bye. Thank you a lot for giving me this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Bitcoin South Africa. Follow all the Bitcoin South Africans. Go to South Africa. Learn bit about Bitcoin in every single language with exonomia. Peace. Bye. Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide.